this morning we're looking at uh, the next in our series of, uh, as a church, what are we uh, committed to, what are our sort of values. Um, well, there we are. Family of Christ followers who together pray continually. Now, you know, I'm a bit of a cracked record on corporate prayer, so um, I will get to that. I'll just basically say things you've heard me say many times before, perhaps with a few other things and some practical stuff uh, perhaps at the end. But I just thought... Um, I'll just give you one or two little sort of updates and encouragements, but well, I hope they're encouragements, before I get into that. Because sometimes um, you know, I'm aware that you might think, well, I know Mike disappears every now and again, and he appears again. So what does he do when he's disappeared? Um, hey, yeah, I've been raptured. Yeah, no, I haven't been raptured. Um, so, and some of it links with prayer. So... Um, just recently back from Poland, which is the first time actually I'd travelled outside of the country for two years because of COVID. And I, to be honest, I was a little bit nervous um, getting on a plane again. Not because I was nervous of flying, but I just forgot what you do. Um, I thought, well, we're, we're, yeah. So anyway, we got through it okay. And um, that was all right, as far as Ryanair can be. Um, and so we arrived in Poland. We took about a team of about 10 of us from relational mission across the different churches, which is always good to do things in team. It really is. I mean, it makes such a difference when there's a number of you and there's different nationalities and different... Um, yeah, it's great, really good. And the European Leaders Forum, which is what we were serving, it's um, been going for about 14, 15 years. It's based in uh, Wisla in Poland. It's about two hours west of Krakow. Um, and... Uh, there's normally about lead, it's a leaders' conference, but there's normally pe- people there from about 40 nations, and they normally get about 800 there. This year there's about 600 because some nations still have got COVID um, restrictions, so they couldn't travel quite so easily. But it's a joy to be there, it always is. And uh, we run a, a couple of um, they have different networks, sort of like which are like um, I suppose for the conference, which is about four or five days, networks where you're with people who sign up to do what you're covering. And we cover church life, uh, leadership and planting. We cover those sorts of things. And um, a great bunch we had this year. Two tracks we do, and then there's one or two other sessions and workshops and seminars we do. And most of the connections we had this year were people from Eastern Europe. So nations, mostly post-communist nations. We can't really think of a better word to describe it, but that isn't the best term. But people, that's the nations you would understand. And it's always a... Uh, just a joy to meet people who are really trying to pioneer and carve out um, New Testament church life in really quite challenging circumstances. Uh, it was also interesting to be so close to the Ukrainian border and to see the effect in Poland of so many Ukrainians. We met there's quite a few Ukrainians at the conference as well, church pastors and people who sort of uh, going backwards and forwards. And Poland has done exceptionally well. It's got over three million refugees suddenly. Um, uh, you know, descended uh, upon the nation. And it's quite a big strain, isn't it, infrastructure-wise? But they've absorbed it, and 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 they've just so blessing these people so much. It was quite moving, actually. Just we had there was different interviews with Ukrainians and also with Polish church leaders. Um, and some Polish church leaders, their churches have tripled or doubled or quadrupled in numbers. They just they're now having to have services in Ukraine. You know, just didn't. Yeah, you know, it's totally unprepared for this sort of wave of people. What do we do? Um, but it was quite quite moving. And um, I think the important thing to 
because I think coming out of COVID, a lot has changed. Isn't it? A lot, a lot has, you know, you can feel particularly in the West sometimes. I think we can feel churches kind of a little bit on the back foot. And it's certainly like that in Europe. It, it's a lot, a lot of challenge that the church faces. But the overwhelming thing that strikes me is that there, God is beginning to move. That there's, some, there's something just beginning to break surface in a new way. Uh, and and um, it was, came home most strongly to me. They, they, people who run the conference asked if I would do a, a prayer concert one night, which I'd never done before. Um, it, the conference is... I suppose what you'd call typically more on the conservative evangelical end. So they're taking a big risk with someone like me. Um, uh, no, they are. I mean, but they, they, they seem to like me um, at the moment. And uh, so, so I've gradually built up, I hope, you know, credibility. And, and um, they think, you know, he does believe the Bible. And so, you know, and they've given me more and more space and the team coming with it with us, Morris, so they give, they give lots of space to us. They really want to hear what we have to say. They really do. They're very, very kind in that regard. And they've known that we've been doing quite a lot to do with corporate prayer, you know, the enough things that we did for se- seven years, um, you know, collectively. We did those as a family of churches. And that sort of, you know, that, that sort of thing gets known in different places. And so they said, would you just do an evening um, a prayer concert, do one of the things you did, you know, the enough thing, just a little t- taster, just to sort of see how people get on with it. Um, and it wasn't like with the whole group, you know, that I think that's an, we need to work towards that. But we just did it, it was about 50 turned up, which actually isn't that bad when the, pack, the program is packed with seminars. I mean, you, you could, it's a bit like if you, those of you went to Spring Harvest, you, you know, you could be at a seminar 24 hours of the day, couldn't you? Not eat. Um, so it's a bit like that there. So we did this uh, prayer concert in the evening. There's about 50 people there. Honestly, I've not been in an atmosphere of prayer like that for years. I mean, it was, it, it, there was something special going on there. And uh, many people had never been in anything like that before. So it wasn't like, oh, they're used to this. It was, uh, God came on the meeting. And uh, I just encourage people to pray in their own heart language. Because I think when we pray, people whose second language might be English or whatever, you can, you can pray, you know, to a degree. But when you pray in your heart language, that, that, that you actually, you know, something happens a little bit more easily in your transaction with, with God. And so all around the room, people were just praying one after the other in different languages. We were just saying amen because I didn't really know what they were saying, but I knew it was sort of all right. So amen, amen. And it was just, but the whole thing just, you, oof, it was a, there was a sense of God in the room. And to be perfectly honest, we had to finish by about, well, it was quite late, it was about quarter to 11 at night, which was a late night thing. Well, it's late night for people like me at my age, but you know, yeah, that would have been when you go out about 20 years ago. But anyway, uh, we were coming into land about um, quarter to 11. And I had to sort of keep faith with that. But I, honestly, at, at some point, I thought to myself, this, if I let go of this, this we could have something really breaking out here that is not containable. It was that kind of a thing. And so I share that really just as a, by way of an encouragement that, that there is dry grass of hunger for God. It's in here. We're hungry for God, aren't we? you boil it all down we've all got things that are just a bit 
discouraging and challenging and all the rest of it. And we're all still finding our way post-COVID and post lots of other things. Um, but there is a hunger for God. And I, 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 I'm noticing that when the right context comes, and, that, and it's almost like things come together and people pray, particularly when people pray, and they pray their hearts out, something kicks in that I haven't seen for a long, long while. I also had the opportunity while I was there, there was, it's always nice to, when you go to things like this, you can meet people who you perhaps wouldn't get the chance to meet. And um, <clears throat> there was uh, a pastor there, Sam Cohn, uh, from Korea. And uh, he leads one of these sort of Korean mega churches, thousands of people. Um, but I, I had the opportunity, people arranged for me to just have, a, have breakfast with him because I wanted to, well, I, said to, I, I wanted just to pray for me, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, didn't, I didn't feel like, for any other reason, but I just wanted to, you know, talk to him a little bit. And um, because the Koreans have, for years now, modeled something to the world about large-scale corporate prayer. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people praying. When you, you're familiar with the, the Yongi Cho story and the prayer mountain, I presume you're familiar with that. I mean, you can't take it for granted these days. But um, have for, for years, the Korean church has prayed in vast numbers. And Sam leads a church like that. And he began with five people in his prayer meeting some years ago. That's all he had. And uh, he just persistently over 20... 25, 30 years, just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. And uh, they got involved, actually, in a Welsh Bible college, which is a strange story. But uh, Korea really had the gospel brought to it from um, uh, what was the Apostolic Church in Wales. <coughs> and they felt they wanted to give something back to Wales where, they, where they'd been blessed from. So they, um, they targeted this sort of fairly failing, diminishing Welsh Bible school, which has now become Union School of Theology, which Michael Reeves leads, which is now a very influential uh, Bible school. And they just said, we want to pray for this Bible school. And so they bring over loads of Koreans, and they just pray, and they pray, and they pray. And then back in Korea, they pray, and they pray, and they pray. And they still do, and they still pray for this Bible college, which is now having huge impact in all sorts of ways. And Sam showed me the app that they use. They've got a prayer app. And on a Saturday morning, it was just, I saw him on the Saturday. It was just, cl- it was clicking. Numbers were clicking through. And he's like 863, 864, 864. And these were all people who have been praying that morning at 6 o'clock um, for the prayer agenda that day. And they just, they just go for it, go for it, go for it. And then they, they have these sort of big prayer retreats where they go up prayer mountain and pray in their thousands and fast for goodness knows how long. And it could all feel quite overwhelming. I said to him, I really do need you to pray for me. And I said, we've, we've had a few little attempts, you know, humble attempts with the enough thing. I told him a little bit about that. And he said, oh, no, I, I, I don't want to pray for you. I want you to pray for me. I said, no, I need you to pray for me. He said, no, 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 you need to pray for me. I said, well, let's do a deal, all right? Um, we'll pray for each other. So, yeah, that's good. So we prayed for each other. And I honestly believe that, you know, if you get alongside sometimes people who've got something in God you want, uh, it's good to get them to pray for you. You know, they don't have to be really sort of um, prominent people. But uh, when God equips anybody in the church, it's for the equipping of the saints. So if you see someone, you know, even in the church here, and you think, oh, they've got something I'd really like, 
then just ask them to pray for you because it, impartation does happen in that way. So anyway, I've got into, uh, so we've got made a connection now, so I don't know what that will lead to, but it was, a, it was a good thing. And then I also met a lady called Sarah Brule and her husband, Rene, and they live in Rome in Italy where he, uh, they're planting a church. And um, Sarah runs what is now um, being freshly launched as Revive Europe. And I hadn't realized quite what had been going on, but for a number of years they've been gathering about 3,000 students three times a year from nations all across Europe. From stu- they're students, and they just pray for revival for a whole weekends at a time. And uh, it was a joy just to get to know them and l- listen to a little bit about their story and see what they're doing. Um, so I share all that by way of encouragement, just to say that there is a lot going on. doesn't ever make the headlines. You won't ever hear about it in newspapers. But God is, God is doing something, and he always will, because uh, he, Jesus said, I'll build my church. And whatever kind of framework we find, whatever God... Uh, COVID hasn't surprised the Lord. It's not like he thought, oh, didn't see that coming. There's, there's, something, there's, there's something he's doing. But as yet, I don't think we quite understand. I think we're still going through, the church generally is still walking through a wilderness. Um, now, wilderness can seem like a bad thing, but actually wilderness is where things get shaped. Uh, wilderness is where God has dealings with people. Whole churches, uh, whole movements, whole nations. Wilderness is not a bad thing. When the Apostle Paul was... Uh, converted in Damascus. It, he went into the Arabian desert for three years. We don't know anything about what happened there, but other than what happened when he came out, because he came with his gospel. It was clear something had happened to him, and he was able to present his gospel. God did something in a hidden place. Think of King David. Um, before he was king, he was a shepherd boy in the wilderness with sheep, uh, looking after the sheep. Think of Moses, 40 years taking God's people through the wilderness into the promised land. That God, never be afraid of the wilderness. Because the wilderness is, where, is, is not a place of absence. It's sometimes a place where God's presence is even more intense. Because there's less distraction. There's less, there's less to rely on other than God. You, you're just in there with God. And I think somehow Europe, I think the, the UK, many churches, perhaps our church, perhaps you, me, this is a time of wilderness. This is a time of journeying with God into something that he's seen coming for a long while. And I think he will strengthen his church. He's going to do something in his church that you can't get to without the wilderness. It's, it's, it's part of the journey. So anyway, I just hope that's of some encouragement to you um, to know kind of what's going on. Um, so just a few thoughts <coughs> about prayer. And they will only be a few thoughts because you've heard most of this before. Um, but I just want to um, highlight, I don't want to highlight how we should work this out as a church, because you know, we've done the enough thing, that's now multiplied and it's still happening in our relational mission communities, and, and, and I'd encourage you to get involved in that when it comes around, I think there's one in July. I'm not so much thinking about the how today, but the, um, the what. So in 2 Corinthians 1.11, and I, this really will just be a few, few moments, not, not long. In 2 Corinthians 1.11, which is a verse <coughs> that God used to really speak to me about corporate prayer, you find Paul uh, saying to the Corinthians, we don't want you to be 
In verse 8, we don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were utterly, so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. You'll be familiar with that last verse. It was this noticing that bit at the end that did something in my heart, the prayers of many. And I realized that actually when Paul is giving such a report as that, which is a challenging report, you know, he'd been through a lot. He'd even felt like dying. He felt like giving up. He'd thought, I'm so burdened, I haven't got strength to bear it. And that's, that's, not, that's not a good day, is it? By any stretch of the imagination. He's not, not having a good time. He didn't write to them and say, look, I need a holiday, I need a break. Can I come back and just chill on the Corinthian piazza? Um, he didn't say, look, I need some more money. We, we've run out of resources. He didn't say, send some more team. He didn't say, look, we need a leadership team meeting. Get the flip chart. We need to reconsider our strategy all of which would be somewhat understandable and not bad. You know, they're not bad things. None of those would be bad things. But I always think when someone's back is against the wall and they're really desperate, the thing they choose first that they think they need says a lot about what you value, doesn't it? And Paul's back is against the wall here. He feels like dying. He's burdened beyond his strength. He feels like giving up. He feels like he's even going to die. And instead of asking for any of those things which should have been understandable, he says, I want you all, the whole church, I want you all to pray for me. Isn't that interesting? But he doesn't even write to the prayer department or his prayer partners or send a prayer letter. He doesn't write to Epaphras. I mean, we know about Epaphras because it says about him that he wrestles in prayer. We've got a few Epaphrases in the church here. People who've got a grace on them to pray above and beyond you know, what most people seem to have a grace for. Um, and Epaphras is, you know, is, a, is like that. He's noted, he's named as someone who, who wrestles in prayer. Not everybody's got the grace to do that in quite the same measure. But Paul doesn't say, look, uh, can you pass this letter to Epaphras and his team of intercessors? He doesn't say that. You'd, imagine, you'd think he'd say that, wouldn't you? You'd think, well, I want the best people praying about this. But he doesn't. He's like, he writes to the whole church. And says, you also, you, let's just put it how it would be read. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So he even seems to say there that the more people pray for him, the more the blessing will be poured out. It's the only time I can find in the New Testament where the numbers involved directly affect the outcome given. Just think about that. The more people pray, the more the answer will come in strength. It's the only time in the New Testament I can find that dynamic. Isn't it funny that we've spent as, as churches for years so much on church growth conferences, how to have bigger numbers, first thing you normally ask someone is how big is your church if you meet them you know you want to know about the church how big is your church 
We all think about the size of it. And there's nowhere in, in the New Testament Paul says anything about the size of your church mattering as to whether it can be fruitful or not. Even a church plant of a, of a dozen people can be fruitful, can't it? Now, if you say, well, what is the ideal size of a local church? Well, bigger. I mean, I'm not going to argue with that, are we? <laughs> Everyone wants you know, church to grow. But it doesn't have to be big to be fruitful. But it seems here, I mean, by all means, check it out for yourself and see if I'm reading something into that that isn't there. But to me, that says the blessing is going to be granted through the prayers of many. Not just Epaphras and his friends. Now, I, I remember Pete Gregg um, speaking to us some time ago. Well, actually, it was about 10 years ago, because I can, I can remember him saying it. It went in like a, an arrow to me. It probably birthed the enough thing, really, when he said it. He was talking to a number of us about prayer. Um, and he's got you know, particular grace on his life. as Pete, really wonderful. Uh, his books are so helpful as well Um, but he said um, if you think back 30 years to what uh, worship corporate worship was like in most churches um, and then you fast forward 30 years and then think what corporate worship is generally like in most churches the it's beyond recognition isn't it those of you who were alive 30 years ago right it's beyond recognition it used to be many places like pipe organ hymn numbers on a board you know and you know you wouldn't have guitars or drums or anything like that. you wouldn't have people lifting their hands you wouldn't have any of the things that have become very very normalized now and that took 30 years and in the early days when worship was being pioneered you had a lot of creativity you had money invested you had staffing invested there was there was a great deal of attention it was books conferences songs were being written there was an explosion of renewal in what collective church worship looked like and it took 30 years for it to be so radically different from what it was you know certainly in my teenagers And Pete then said this, and it really nailed me. And he said, uh, imagine what would have happened if we had spent the same creativity, the same staff time, the same budget, the same attention given, the same creativity given, if we'd have given all that same attention to corporate prayer. And I thought, wow. That's not to say worship's not important. But actually... Corporate prayer, I would argue, is the first thing that needs to go in in terms of practice. And the reason I say that is because there's two things that Paul says are first in the church. In in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, he talks about a first of doctrine. And he says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance, right? In other words, this is more important than anything else. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and was raised and on the third day, on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So Paul is saying, what is the first, most important doctrine that the church needs to be built on? 
What's he saying? Yeah, exactly. The gospel, basically the gospel. So you can, whatever else your church believes, whatever secondary issues do you, I don't know, um, do you have, uh, well, there's hundreds of things, the secondary matters, you know, what you believe about baptisms or what you believe about leadership or what you believe about or how your church does this, that or the other or what you believe about end times and what you believe about, um, you know, the sovereignty of God or the free will of man or, you know, there's so many so many churches with lots of different opinions about secondary matters. And I'm not saying they don't matter. They do matter. Of course they matter. And every church has to have a, a plumb line of doctrine. We think this is what we believe humbly. Uh, but this is how we build because we're convinced from the scriptures it's right. But we honor people who are convinced of secondary matters just as much but different from ours. We honor them. But we can only fellowship together with churches really that of first importance believe the gospel See that everything else doesn't well it, it's not essential to our unity secondary matters are not essential to unity this primary doctrine is as a first importance that christ died for our sins was buried and was raised from the dead we can fellowship with any church that believes that so paul says that's a first importance but he then also goes on and i'll come into the land with a practical thing now he then also talks about um, a first importance in terms of practice, right? not what you believe, but uh, how as a church you should function. And this is just a question I'd like to leave with, really. So in 1 Timothy 2, 1, sorry, in 1, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, there we go. <coughs> Say it right. <laughs> Say it right. So he's not talking about doctrine now, he's talking about practice in the local church. Notice this, what does he say? First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. He puts corporate prayer as the number one driving practice for the local church. If I was to ask probably any church in the Western world, is that your number one driving practice? I don't think I'd have many hands go up. If I was to ask that question in the global at which I do, because I know lots of people who lead churches in the global south and in the global east, they would say, oh yes, we build everything on prayer. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't that indicate we have a journey to go on? Now it's not, I don't say that to condemn us, I just say it because I think God wants to encourage us into something. It's not, God doesn't point things out and say, there, I got that wrong. It's not how he works. He's saying, I want to encourage you into something that actually is going to make a big radical difference to how fruitful you're going to be. And God doesn't ever tell us off, because he loves us. But he does sometimes say, look, there's more for you. There's more for you. So when I sat listening to that Korean pastor the thing that um, struck me was he built his church, five people, out of prayer. Actually, this church was built out of a small prayer meeting in the Bethel schoolroom. Tuesday morning, six o'clock, very cold, even in the summer. Old school missions, 
just uh, fridges, aren't they? I don't know. You can't ever warm them up. So you put a heater on, it's still cold. I don't know what that is. Sometimes there's only a dozen. Sometimes there might be half a dozen. Sometimes we'd have revival and 20 people would turn up. You know. But for month after month after month after year after year, that was the engine room that then fueled the planting of the church. Now, we have come out of a COVID season in the nation as a church. We've come out of yeah, unsettling times of church as well. I would say that if we are to heed Paul, probably the best thing we could give our attentions to is to pray our way into the fruitfulness that God wants for us ahead. Now, I don't know how to organize that. Uh, you know, there's all sort, that's where we need creativity and we need thought about all of that. So it's not just like about just do what we've always done, because sometimes if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always had. So we might need to be a bit innovative and give some thought to it. But the thing I wanted just to land today was to see this first of all bit. Do you see that? I mean, it is in there, isn't it? He's not saying, first of all, in terms of an order of service. Do you think that's what he's saying? I don't think he's saying that's the order of service, start with prayer. I think he's talking about the priority of it. Because if it was the order of service, he'd go on to say what the next bits would be, but he doesn't. He's just talking about the priority of something. Now, <clears throat> just bringing it into land, um, we will all probably, for, uh, you know, you're, probably if you're anything like me, first reaction when you hear anyone talk about prayer is guilt. Um, which I don't want to do. The second reaction is, well, yeah, you can, yeah, it's convincing, but I'm not any good at it. Well, the Bible actually agrees you're not any good at it, and that's always encouraging, because in Romans 8:26, and I find this a real lifesaver, because you know I often go around talking about prayer, and you can, if you're not careful, you can feel quite hypocritical. So you think, well, I'm not, you know, I'm no praying hide, you know, <laughs> I, have a, I have a go. But I never, I'm never really satisfied with my prayer life. Never 100%. Well, sometimes I think, yes, I nailed that. But that's very few and far between. And why would I even come to that conclusion? It's normally because I think it sounded good. Well, according to this, it's never going to sound good in God's ears. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray. So he agrees, the Holy Spirit agrees, no, you've got no idea, really, what you're doing. We've got no idea what to pray for as we ought to. But, here's the good news, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when one of your little prayers begins to wend its way up to heaven, and it's like described in Revelation as the incense, the, incense, the prayers of the saints rising before God, and you might think, well that was a bit pathetic, I only said a few words, and I don't really know if I quite if I made any sense. <coughs> well the Bible says that Holy Spirit gets hold of that, supercharges it. So by the time it reaches God, he breathes in. Imagine all of our prayers this morning. He breathes in prayer. And it, it moves him. It moves him. Would you like to move the heart of God this morning? It's quite a thought, isn't it? What would move the heart of God this morning? It's when we pray and the Holy Spirit brings his shaping to it. So that without us really becoming just very eloquent or whatever, just simple prayers, even making mention of people, 
is a prayer. That's what Paul says. I make mention of them in my prayers. It doesn't have to be long all the time. But God breathes it in. It moves him to action. <coughs> that suddenly makes prayer quite a lot of fun because you can change things. Do you ever look at someone and think, I wish I could change them? Do you ever think that? Well, now you've got a secret weapon. Lord, get them. For your glory. It's a secret weapon. Anyway, so I thought we'd do in closing. <clears throat> there we do. Our time has gone a bit ready. But we can, we've got a few minutes. We just, yeah. um, <coughs> excuse me. So if we, um, if on your, if you want to turn your phone on, turn your Bible on, whatever. Or if you've got, if you remember a paper Bible, um, and you can still remember where it is, then 2 Timothy, and I keep looking at the wrong one, 1 Timothy, concentrate, 1 Timothy 2, let's just have a look at that. <clears throat> so maybe let's get a little bit active in this bit, I'll just do five minutes, so if you're able to, or you'd like to, if you'd like to just stand and keep that, keep the verses in front of you just on your phone. So the verse where it says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead peaceful and quiet, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a great motive for prayer there, isn't it? Let's just stand. I'm going to invite us to do that. All right? So, this is a great moment to actually use verse 2 there. Because thinking about the Queen. And, um, you know, prayer for all people, it says. It doesn't just talk about those in high positions. But it includes that. For kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Yes. So first of all, perhaps one or two of you would just actually like to pray, but to pray for the Queen, give thanks, pray for the nation, pray for stability. Pray for the things that it says there, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. Maybe some of you would like to pray for politicians. Just a comment on that. We were doing this uh, at one of our relational mission prayer and fast days, and we were going to pray about, we were in London, and we were going to pray about the government. And um, I forget who it was who said it, it might have been Steph, I can't remember, but said, uh, just check in your heart first whether there's any politicians you don't like. And um, and I thought about it. So I thought about it. I thought, well, it's not much like God. I didn't think about it, actually. God told me. He said, um, you don't think too much of her, do you? And I thought, no, I don't really. And he said to me, um, well, I do. I died for her. So I had to repent. It doesn't mean I have to agree with her politics. But she's someone Jesus died for. So is Boris. Bless him. 
Jesus died for Boris. So if we don't like him, we've got a problem. And we need to repent. It doesn't take long looking on Twitter or Facebook to see Christians ranting. We shouldn't be ranting. Turn the flipping thing off. Pray. It's not, it's not godly. It's not godly. doesn't mean we don't speak out against injustice and work to put not Don't miss it, what I'm saying. But bless them, the house of commons, the house of sheep without a shepherd. They just need, same as we all do, they just need a shepherd. They just need to find a saviour. Now with the lady in question that I wasn't particularly keen on, every time I see her now, I pray for her, I say, bless her Lord. And my heart has genuinely changed towards it. I, I actually follow her now and just find, you know, on, on social media and try to just think what she's doing, I pray for her. Um, I would imagine that would probably be true for all of us in here. I don't think I'm an exception. So maybe, I don't know, can we just have a few people pray for the Queen, pray for the government? Is that all right? Just if you want to come out the front, because you can't, if, if you want to make your voice heard, that, actually that might be nice. You, let's get about maybe half a dozen people. Just come out the front and just lead us in prayer for something. If you get a bit of a queue, then we'll know we've got six people. Someone want to come and do that? Come on, be brave. Just don't pray for too long, all right? Just so we, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be, come on, we need a couple of feet more. So some younger people, men and women, doesn't matter how eloquent you feel. How many have we got? Three, four, five. Anyone else just like to come pray? Yeah, go for it. All right, well, you don't think they have seven. That's, uh, so it's just six isn't, a, you know, it's just random. Okay, so let's, let's, all, let's all lift up our hands, because it says lift up holy hands without anger and disputing, doesn't it? So we've got any anger in our hearts. They're not holy hands, are they? You know, if you've got anything wrong between you and someone else in this room, and your prayers get hindered, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, family of Christ, got to put all that right. So just put it right first, so that our prayers are not hindered. Okay, Margaret, go for it. Father, we thank you this morning for our Queen. We thank you for the 70 wonderful years that she has led this nation. And Father, we pray that today you will bless her abundantly. You will pour out your Holy Spirit upon her and upon all of her family. Lord, bless her, we pray, in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm a picture of a fountain, and uh, I thank you, Father, that our Queen um, does love you, uh, does honour you, and is willing to say that out loud. And I pray that in these, uh, these late years of her life that you would uh, strengthen her resolve, that she would um, finish the race. Mm. Um, and be faithful to you. And that faith, by your Holy Spirit, would pour out like a fountain down onto the, uh, the kings to come and their families, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Lord, I, I just pray that our politicians would know what their, what their job is actually built on. I read a book recently by a Christian called Vishal Mangawadi, and it was called The Book That Made Your World. And um, and he just talked so much about how how Britain is so built on a Judeo-Christian foundation, and I think our politicians just don't understand that, Lord. And I just pray that you help them seek what it is actually built yeah. on. That's what makes our country so unique, Lord. Um, and I just pray that they would understand that.
Amen. Let's have some amens after these prayers. They're good prayers. Let's amen. It's great. Yeah, Lord, we just, uh, yeah, lift Boris Johnson up to you, Lord Jesus. I know that I've struggled with, you know, uh, things that have happened recently, Lord Jesus, and uh, it's not that I don't like him, Lord, but, Lord, I just pray for him, Lord Jesus. He's a leader of this country, Lord Jesus. You know, he, he, yeah, he has so much in his hands, Lord Jesus. So I just pray, Father, for wisdom. Uh, I pray, Father, that if there is hatred in anybody's hearts, Lord Jesus, uh, here today, Lord Jesus, that we just take that away, Lord Jesus, and we just say, Lord, honour him, Lord, lift him up to you, Lord Jesus, just um, yeah, give him wisdom and give him guidance, Lord Jesus, to uh, go through this these times, Lord Jesus, and just let him, um, yeah, just, just integrity, Lord Jesus, I know that's been a, a real big word, Lord Jesus, but he's led, led this country through a real uh, tough time, Lord Jesus, and there's been a lot of pressure on him, Lord Jesus, I just pray, pray, lift him up to you, Lord. give him strength, give him wisdom, Lord Jesus. We pray in the mighty name. Amen. Yes, amen. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for our Queen. Mm. I thank you, Lord, for the, the way that she's upheld her life, yeah. her faithfulness, her wisdom, her courage, Lord, and her um, just not frightened to share about you mm. yes. in situations, Lord. Mm. I thank you, Lord, for her family, Lord. I'm also very much aware, Lord, and I've got this on my heart as well, Lord, that we tend to think that we're one in a crowd. We're perhaps um, not very worthy, Lord. If we went to see the Queen last night, we'd be well and well and well truly down the mouth, Lord Jesus. But we wouldn't because you are our King of Kings. Yes, yes. And Lord Jesus... We have your DNA. Yes. Like those in the royal box last night carry the Queen's DNA. Mm. We carry your DNA. Yes, very good. And yes. that's all what matters, Lord yes. Jesus. So thank we you, thank Jesus. you, Lord, for that. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that we will just really, really um, understand the truth of carrying your DNA. Yes, very good. Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's a great prayer. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I bring to you again Boris Johnson. At the beginning of uh, the pandemic, he was in hospital with COVID, and, and many, many, many people prayed for him, yes. prayed for his health, yeah. and you gave it to him, and we give you thanks for that. And Lord, just as many people that prayed for his health were praying for his soul. Mm. And Lord, just a couple of days ago, he spoke the message out of Philippians, one of my favourites. Lord, and he says, you know, what, what, whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is noble. And, you know, Lord, I pray that those words will stick in him that yes. they are like an earworm. That, Lord, they go round and round and round his mind. And they, they will speak to him right into his heart. But he cannot deny your truth. Thank so you. we pray over him. And Lord, where it says here, um, pray for the way that things and all who are in authority, in authority so that we, we can live peaceful and quiet lives, marked with godliness and dignity. And 
that is my prayer yes. for Boris Johnson, the government, and for our country. Yes, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes, Father, we repent when we do the work of the evil one. His job is to destroy, and our words can destroy. Our hearts and our judgments of other people can be destructive. And Lord, we don't want that. We want to build. We want to build people up. We want to accentuate the good things. We want to have thankful hearts, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And yet so often, Lord, we see what we abhor in the world, and we cast blame, and we judge, and we set ourselves up as being superior. Oh, Father God, forgive us. Father, help us to have humble and lowly and meek hearts like our Lord. Help us, Lord, to have thankful spirits. You've done so much for us. We want to overflow with thankfulness, Lord, so that we just love these people. Give us real love, Lord, that when we start praying for them, that actually happens. We all know that. It's happened to all of us. Mm. When we start to care, really care, and not stand outside and just wag the finger. So, Father, turn us around. We do want new beginnings. And, Lord, fill us with hope. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, because we want to demonstrate all that your Holy Spirit gives us, those fruits of the Spirit, which have nothing to do with negativity and judgmentalism. So, Father, help us. We don't have it in ourselves, Lord God. You know we're empty. We come with empty hands. So, Father, fill us again, we pray. Yes, thank Amen. you. Amen. Yeah, so Father, we, I want to pray, Lord, that just what I saw in, in Poland in that little prayer evening, Lord, what, what I felt, what I saw, um, I want to pray you'll do it here. But I, I, I don't know, Lord, how you want it to look, or, or how it starts, or how it's outworked, I don't, I don't know. But Lord, I, I want to pray that whatever lies ahead for this church, and for all we're involved in with RM and the wider world that we're having increasing connection with, I, I want to pray that a fire will be kindled in our midst. Uh, a fire of prayer that we somehow we won't be able to stop. Lord, when I was at that prayer meeting, I it nearly ran away to the point where I couldn't stop it. We'd love that problem. <laughs> We'd love that problem. Lord, I'd love it if right now you fell by your fire and the roast dinner got burnt. I love it because we're hungry not for that but for you we we don't want to mess about but really we don't want to mess about it's pointless but we need you to kindle a fire fall on us show us how to do this show us how to pray teach us how to pray show us what that looks like as a church I pray you give wisdom to the elders you give wisdom 
to creative uh, people. There'd be, be Epaphrases, fire, fire starters amongst us who just help, I don't know, kindle something. I, I don't even know what I'm praying. But I know, what I know what I saw, and I say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and kindle something amongst us that's new, fresh, not just rehashing something we did years ago, something new, something fresh, something we've not seen before, something that catches our attention and says, this is God, this is God, don't miss out, this is God, God's doing something, God's up to something, Lord, give us that, we pray, Lord, give us that, so that we say, this is not about someone's clever idea, God's in the house, God's in the house. God is in the house. You dare not miss the meeting because God's here. Lord, we're looking to you to do it, Lord. When the tide is at its furthest most point out, uh, when we're at the wilderness, when we have nothing, when the bread and the oil is going to run out, that's always when you break in. It's always where you, it's just how you do stuff. And you know, we've just got a few loaves and fish, but we bring them to you and say, what we have, take it, Lord, and just begin to do what you do. Begin to do what you do, we pray, in Jesus' name. Are you up for that? could get messy. Seriously, it could get messy. You know, there's a government health warning with what I've just said. Because we've been in mess before, haven't we, Mike? You've been in mess before. He causes some of it. But it could get messy. But I'd rather be in a God mess, wouldn't you? I'd rather be in a God mess. So, come on, Lord.